I love when we sing. There's just something about everything that's going on in my life being just sort of put to side. Uh, every need I have, every want I have, every selfish desire being set aside in my, my focus, even though I'm a little ADD and sometimes I can still be hard, can just be on a God who's worthy of my praise. So um, we are in a series right now called Movement. And uh, kind of the big big idea of this series is is is, is twofold. Uh, the first is that we believe that um, faith in Jesus Christ propels us to movement. That we believe that you know Easter was only a few weeks ago, and that Jesus didn't die and rise up out of the tomb and leave that tomb for us to stay in our own tombs. That our faith should 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 lead us to movement. And not only that. If, if we believe in the reality that he said that the church, his, his people, the community of his believers, that, that the gates of hell could not overcome it, that this would be the vehicle of his kingdom, then we should see movement as a body. And so we're talking through um, what are known as our, our four G's, kind of our, our core essentials, gather, grow, give, and go. And last week we talked about gather, and we talked about the importance of, of how we gather because there are things that, that happen when we gather in our relationship with God that don't happen on our own. And that there are things that we can do together better than we could ever do on our own. And we talked about how really some of the big purpose of it is that it's a time in which we come together to be uh, in, 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 in encouraged, to be uh, engaged, and, and, and to be empowered to go do the work of the kingdom outside of the place. That this, this isn't, the, God's design was not that we would just come here and stay here, but we would come here and be sent out of here. This week we're talking about growth. And when we talk about growth, this morning I want to focus more in on uh, our individual growth in our own faith. While I totally believe that God calls us as a body to grow, that we, we read last week in Acts that, that, that daily the number was being added to them, um, our goal as a church is not just to grow. It's not just to have more butts in seats. It's life change. It's to see people experience the love of Jesus and then they have new life in Christ. Now we do believe though that healthy things grow. I mean you've never had a plant that was healthy that didn't grow, right? When, when a plant ceased to, to grow and produce different fruit, it was unhealthier, it was dying. And so we unashamedly will say, yes, we want to see growth, but it's, it's not for the sake of, of budgets and buildings. It's for the sake of the kingdom, and it's for the sake of people's lives being transformed. Now, I will celebrate. We did experience some fun church growth on um, Monday. We had two babies born on the same day, like within like a few hours of each other, which that's cool, and we can celebrate that because like God's church is growing uh, through lots of different ways. But I want to talk more about what does it look like for our own lives to be uh, changed. When I was uh, in, in, in the summer going into my uh, 10th grade year, my sophomore year, I was sort of in, in the peak of my awkward face. I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me now, feeling like I kind of got that rugged, good looks of like a male model slash actor type, maybe action hero. And I know it's weird to think I went through a, 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 an awkward late bloomer phase. It was a very long one, too. Um, to be honest, it, it was most of my teen years. Uh, but during the height of that, like I, I, I just got to that place where I was really small, so a lot of the sports that I used to be into, I just didn't feel like I was into as much anymore. And that summer I went golfing one time, and I kind of liked it. My parents jumped on it. They're like, this is going to be your thing. 
And so we bought me uh, new clubs. Uh, we got me, uh, you know, the pants, the shoes, the glove. I had, you know, the hat. At the time, this was before Tiger had his big falling, got the cool-looking Nike golf bag. Because when you're in 10th grade, let's be honest, like 80% of life is like, do you look good, right? And so, like, I was set and I was ready. And then my grandpa, um, uh, I love my grandpa, but my grandpa, um, my grandpa Jim had two, two main conversations he would have with you. Um, they centered around either we talk about God or we talk about golf. There was not a lot of like conversation that happened outside of those two topics. And so because he was so excited that his grandson had kind of begun to take this small interest in golf, at this point I literally probably had golfed like two times in my life outside of um, putt-putt golf. And uh, so he buys me and my dad uh, golf lessons. Like we would go to this golf pro place where they had a driving range and, you know, they teach you all the mechanics. And so uh, for this spring, uh, my dad and I, we would go for like twice a week for like six weeks and we were learning all the stuff. We we're learning the mechanics of the swing. You know, don't force it. Just, you know, nice and easy. Um, made me think of Happy Gilmore, you know, the tap tap And uh, And so, you know, we, we went through all of that. And so that was like 15 years ago-ish now, I think. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And um, you know what's really interesting? I would say since I first took my golf lessons, I have probably been golfing maybe 10 times total in the last decade. You know, I had all the right gear. I learned some of the mechanics. But to be honest, it never translated to me being a good golfer. Some of it was I just... I never really fell in love with the game. Some of it was I didn't spend enough time trying at it. Some of it was it's also really expensive. Um, by the way, if anyone wants to go golfing, I would be glad to go with you guys. I can, I, I'll still hit some balls. Um, it's not going to be pretty. But the truth is, my, 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 even though I had done all the things that you would think, I, I had changed a lot of, of what I looked like. I had learned a lot of mechanics on what it would look like to do that. It never really resulted in any sort of growth or any sort of me being like a golfer. You know, the truth is, I think sometimes we can do that with our spiritual walk. That with our relationship with Jesus, I think we think like, okay, if I get the study Bible, like that automatically is going to get me like eight points up and I'm going to like, you know, right away, Jesus is going to love me more and I'm going to be smarter. We, we oftentimes go and equate our, our spiritual growth with um, knowledge or behavior modification. But here's the truth, my friends. Uh, behavior modification does not equal heart change. It can help. But at the end of the day, you can modify your behaviors like me. You can get all the right gear. You can even learn some of the mechanics. But if it doesn't translate to you continuing to do it, if it doesn't translate to you growing a passion and a love for something, it's, it's not really going to matter. And this morning, what I want to unpack, I want to, I want to, want to hit on a few um, things that I think could be helpful as we um, think about what does it look like for us to kind of grow, and what does it look like for us to do? Because the truth is, uh, don't hear me in the idea of like, hey, listen, if the pastor Aaron said, if you want to follow Jesus and grow in your faith, like, don't do like disciplines, like, don't be a disciplined person, like, just do whatever. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that your your heart. The heart needs to be changed. The, the motivation behind why we're doing things is what's going to lead to actual growth. 
And I'd love to just recommend a book before, before we dive deep in here. This morning, part of this is going to be more like, hey, let's give some actual tools. And some of you are going to be like, I know this, but this is going to be good for you here anyways. Um, some of it's going to be giving some tools, and some of it's going to be diving deeper into Scripture. But um, if you're looking for a book on how to understand some different spiritual disciplines to grow, uh, I would love to recommend it's a book by a guy named Richard Foster. It's called Celebration of Discipline. And um, when we hear discipline, we, like, don't like that, right? Because we hear, like, we picture, like, getting sent to our room, getting spanked, getting things taken away. And in discipline, it kind of gets this nasty take. But this gives some great tools of ways in which we can kind of interrupt our lives and spend time with God. Because at the end of the day, if, if we're not engaging in relationship with Jesus, if a discipline doesn't lead us towards time and, and quality time with God... It's kind of pointless. You know, some of us treat like reading through like the Bible in a year like just like it's this marathon chore that we have to do. And I've, I'll be honest, I've, I've done that thing before where it becomes this chore and I read, 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 read and I get nothing out of it. But I feel like I can like check off my box of like, cool, I grew, I grew today because I read something. I don't remember any of it. It didn't change anything about me. Uh, but this book is great because it gives a lot of different... Um, practical tools on how to engage in scripture, how to engage in different types of prayer and all that sort of stuff. So um, let's dive into to some thoughts. Um, you know, scripture is the basis uh, that we have of really how we know God. And what I mean by that is while the veil is torn, while uh, God is always there with us and we have the opportunity to constantly talk and engage with him, scripture is this beautiful gift that we have that allows us to understand who God is. We get to know from the lens of, of consistency. I mean, if we were to look at our own lives, we could probably find patterns in how we operate by looking back at the past. And the true is the same, the, the same as the, is true with God, in my opinion. That it's amazing that you have a, a book that has been combined with, with many books that span, I mean, tons and tons of time and how you can see the consistency of, of God's faithfulness, of how he interacted. And so when we study scripture, we better understand the need that we have for Jesus. We better understand God's goodness and his faithfulness. And so that's part of the reason. Sometimes people ask, like, why do we even study scripture? What's the point? And it's to engage and understand God better. It's also because when we study scripture, oftentimes uh, there can be words, there can be things that even though it was written for an, a, 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 a certain audience at the time, there have been moments, I'm sure for some of you, where you've been reading scripture on your own or you've heard someone say a scripture and it hits you exactly what with the word, with the wisdom, uh, with the encouragement that you need. Uh, in 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy is this letter that a guy named Paul, who has this crazy story where he used to be far from God and God blinded him and uh, just a crazy story. You can read about it in Acts. Um, but Paul then became this guy who really raised up a ton of leaders and was a missionary. And one of the people that he, he really raised up was a guy named Timothy. And so First and Second Timothy are these, book, these, these letters that he wrote that were to encourage and kind of equip and train Timothy to be a, a minister of the gospel. But he says this in Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, 14 through 17. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those whom you learned it, and you know from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, 
and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, did you catch that last part? Because I think it's pretty important. Um, We do not read Scripture. We do not study Scripture just to become more knowledgeable. Now, that's going to bug some of y'all who love to read, who love history and things like that. But at the end of the day, there are many people that I know who know far more about Scripture than I ever will. They've studied the intricacies. They know Greek. They knew Hebrew. They knew Aramaic. They know so much more of the social, um, you know, constructs of the ancient cultures. They know so much. But the truth is, there's so many of them too who who have zero relationship with Jesus, who it hasn't changed their lives. And if you remember at the end here, it says that you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is a tool for us to be able to understand how do we live. Because whether we want to think about this way or not, um, you know, we have we have missionary partners. We have partners that I, I'm, I'm going to share more about with soon. Uh, we have some some friends. I got to eat with them a couple weeks ago. Their name are uh, Carmen and Alejandro de, de Francisco, and they are going to start the Church of God in Spain. Like they just landed there recently. Oftentimes, when we think missionaries, we think of people like that. We think of people who go other places. But the truth is, we have been called to be ambassadors. We've been called to be representatives of Christ. We've been called to be missionaries in our schools, in our families, in our workplaces. And so Scripture helps equip us to be able to do that. Oftentimes we say, like, I could never do any of those things. I could never, you know, share my faith. I could never, um, like, you know, there used to be the mentality where it was the field of dreams approach. You build it and they will come. If we could build these big buildings and we could get all our friends to come and listen to some sort of pastor person, that is what could finally change people's lives. That's not the case. You see, God has given us the tool of Scripture. He's given us the tool of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that helps equip us and empower us to live as missionaries. Because the truth is, too, we're also aliens in a foreign world. This, this place was not created for us. And that's why when Jesus talks about that, that, that we should pray that heaven would come to earth is because right now it, that's not what it feels like. The kingdom that we live in is far different than what God pictures and envisions his kingdom. And so we study scripture so we can understand how to do that. So let me just give you a real quick tool uh, for you to be able to use. It's called uh, Oya. And uh, it's, it's an acronym. I'm just going to be honest. I absolutely hate acronyms. I don't know why. But I'm going to share two acronyms today because they're easy to remember. Um, but when you study Scripture, here's a great way to start. Because I, I've been really convicted. Sometimes here's what's, what happens. That, that um, people who've known Jesus for a long time, uh, we, we're really um, not very great. Uh, we sometimes tell people like, all right, if you, you know, hey, you just said yes to Jesus. Now just go read your Bible and just uh, pray. And like, what does that even mean? Right? Like we, 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 we try to tell people, I heard someone use this term recently. Um, a lot of people when it comes to uh, discipleship, when it comes to uh, spiritual growth with people, um, we want to be tour, uh, we want to be travel agents rather than tour guides. You know, a travel agent will tell you all about, you go here, you go there, you go this way, uh, this is a great deal, let me help you book the tickets, and have a nice time, we'll see you later. A tour guide, though, is in it with you, right? They go on the trip. They're the ones who are, they're, they're in the middle of it. When there's, there's a curveball that happens, they're there with you and they have some of the expertise. 
You know, a lot of ways we need way, way, way more tour guides than travel agents uh, in the kingdom of God. But I've found that sometimes it's, it's easy just to say and take for granted that um, someone would just know how to study scripture. Because again, we're talking about, there are these 66 books that uh, come from different time periods. They come from different authors. While they are all God-breathed, there are different men who, who wrote them down. And they've been translated from different languages. And sometimes it's easy just to say, just read it and you'll get it. And that's not the case. So here's a simple tool uh, when you're studying scripture. It, is Start with this. Read scripture and just go with observations. If you think about it from the standpoint of if there's there's a car accident, yeah, I, I'd like to think about it like this. Observations. It's not, why do you think there was an accident? It was just, what did you see happen? Hey, yeah, a car ran into a tree. That's That's all I see there. Then interpretations is what do I think it meant? That's more of the, yeah, I think they were probably texting while they were driving. This is though, when you, when you unpack the interpretation, I always think it's helpful to think about what do I think this meant for the original intended audience? Because again, we're, we're kind of creepily getting to get in on some people's like personal letters. Again, when, when, the, when we read Timothy, I mean, this is like a personal letter that I don't know if Paul probably anticipated that millions upon millions of people would read later. I mean, there's actually one part where he tells him, like, hey, by the way, I know you've been having some of those stomach issues, so stop drinking the bad water. Like, I mean, how embarrassing is that for, like, centuries people have known that you, like, probably had diarrhea. Um, that's kind of awkward. But think about what did it mean for the original audience, but also then what does it mean for you? You know, there's something beautiful about Scripture, how at different times in our lives uh, God can say different things through it. I can remember reading through the book of Psalms uh, when I was in college, and a girl had just broken up with me, and I was super distraught and sad. And so as I'm reading through there, some of the Psalms are really sad and can say things like, Oh, Lord, why have you why have you turned your eyes from me? And woe, my downcast soul. And so I'm a highlighter. It's okay to write in your Bibles. It's cool. And, um, and so I remember a few years later reading through some of those same scriptures and laughing at the things that stuck out to me at that time. But the, the beauty of it was is that at that time, That piece of scripture in particular is what stuck out to me. When I read it later on, uh, it it continued to to speak to me. And so that's why we continue to read scripture too, is that we may, maybe not the total interpretation of the scripture, don't hear me in that, that it just means that one time you read it, it means this, and one time it means something else. But sometimes there's going to be a certain piece of the scripture that's going to hit you harder than the other. Do interpretations, and then here's probably the most important part, application. What does it mean for you? How will your life look differently? Again, if our hearts have been changed, if we are studying and we're trying to grow, there should be some sort of behavior modification. That's not the end result. That's not the the total goal. But at the end of the day, if we read about something that talks about like, hey, my people are generous. And if your life, your, your living currently doesn't involve being a generous person, then you probably should decide that you're going to change that, right? There probably should be some sort of application because, at the, again, at the end of the day, if it doesn't change us, if it doesn't speak to how we're supposed to live, if, if, if how we're living is different than what Scripture says and it doesn't cause us to change, then we've just spent time that we, we didn't need to spend reading something. It's just like reading another novel, another book or something. And so Scripture should drive us to that. But that's a, this is just a super baseline. There's other great ways to do it. If you've never read Scripture, start in the Gospels. Don't try to like plow through all the books of the Bible in one sitting in that order. Because here's what's going to happen. 
Genesis is super fun and cool. Exodus, you're like, this is kind of fun, and then you start getting into some law at the end. And then by the time that you get to Leviticus, you're like, this is weird. This is crazy. And you get bored. Start with the Gospels and, and read about Jesus. Then, then go, keep going through. And if you want some um, tool, more tools or if you want some study guides of, of how and what to read, let me know. I would love to help you that. So another common way that we tend to try to grow in our faith uh, is, is through prayer. So what is prayer? How do we pray? Uh, prayer is just simply communication with God. Prayer is something that, that people have been doing since uh, the beginning of creation. Adam used to pray to God because it would literally be that he and God would walk through the garden together. In fact, when, he, when, he, when, when there's the realization that there's no suitable helper in some ways, Adam is communicating that with God. And that's prayer. Now, prayer, again, is a two-way street. It's both us speaking to God and it's us listening to God. Because in the same way that, that if, if I'm talking with one of you right now, we're not really having a conversation, are we? You're just listening to me. You're just talking. A, a healthy conversation is a back and forth. And so prayer involves the fact that we are both speaking, but we're also receiving back from him. Um, prayer, I think, is one of those things that we, we make it harder than it is. Because it's kind of, it, it's still, I'll just be honest, it's still something that I rack my brain about. What does it really mean to pray? But the best way I can describe it is, is it's, it's like how um, we see in the Psalms sometimes. Sometimes it's writing down. Writing your prayers can be a great practice uh, because sometimes, you know, we can start like, I'm going to pray, and then buzz, we get something on our phone and we get distracted. I'm going to pray, our kid comes in, and, and it just gets all uh, sorts of distractions. Sometimes writing, like David did, is a great opportunity. It also gives us a record of kind of what we've been praying for. Uh, but prayer is, like, I, I, I think we get too used to, like, we hear people pray these beautiful prayers in services, and we think, like, all right, if I'm going to pray, I must pray in, like, Old English. Lord, thou art uh, wonderful to me. And, you know, we do that, right? Or let's be honest, and there's nothing wrong with this, but how many of us, when we pray sometimes, like, we feel like it has to be this super formal thing, like, like even on our own, like, dear Lord, thou art so great. And I think about where's the personality with that, right? Like, would you, like, I don't talk to my wife like that, like, Hunter, I loveth you, and I just thank you so much for the way that you, 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 you take care of things. Could you please go get me a refill of coffee? Like, no, I don't talk like that. And that's okay if you do. But prayer should be this, this intimate, beautiful conversation. You know, Paul talks about in, in Thessalonians, like, pray without ceasing. That it's this constant, ongoing, it can be verbal, it can be in your head, it can be written down. It's just communicating with God. And sometimes it's saying beautiful things to Him, and sometimes it's, it's saying things that I guess you're probably not supposed to say in church. Because the reality is God knows everything inside our hearts and our minds already. But I think He wants to hear from us. And the truth is, uh, the way that you tend to grow in a relationship with someone is through communication. I mean, think about it, uh, with your children, with your spouse, with your uh, friends, typically you have the strongest connection when you're communicating a lot, right? When there's open and honest, transparent communication. I think in the same way, that's what we have to do with our prayer life. So here's, here's a super simple tool if you want to use for prayer. Uh, it, it's just called the ACTS model of prayer. Uh, and it, again, is an acronym, and some of you guys have heard this, but uh, it, it stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Adoration is just praying, and you can do these just one at a time, or sometimes it's really healthy to do all of this in one sort of time of prayer. Adoration is just praising God for the fact that He is great. I mean, the dude... 
like put the stars in the sky, right? I mean, he did some pretty cool stuff. He, it's pretty easy to, to, to give him praise. Um, confession. Confession's one that we don't like, right? We don't really like to be wrong, do we? Uh, and you're like, don't tell me that. No, I, I'm fine with being wrong. Um, confession is, is just quite literally confessing our sins. It's saying like, yeah, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Yeah, I got junk. And I'll be honest, guys, confession is one of the most freeing things you can ever do. Both having prayers of confession to God or allowing someone else to be kind of stand in the place of God and confess a sin to them. There's something just liberating by that. I'll be honest, I think one of the easiest ways to hold you back from growing is to not practice confession. Because think about it. If you have a sickness, like you're probably not going to take care of it until you realize that you have a sickness, right? So in the same way, if, if, if sin can be a sickness that can take over our body, if we're not confessing our sins, guess what? We're not receiving forgiveness for them. If we don't confess our sins, we're not acknowledging the fact that we need to make some changes in our lives. So confession is a great way. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is just thanking God for the way that he's provided. It's thanking God uh, for different requests we've had. And supplication. Supplication is asking for things. It's the request. To be honest, let's, let's be real, we probably spend 80% of our prayer life in supplication. I know I do. It's typically the, oh no, I forgot to do something and it's about to happen in 30 minutes. God, please help me. It's the, I didn't study for the test. I'm there standing right before it. God, please help me pass this. It's the, oh no, I was supposed to pick up the kid. Uh, Please don't let my wife find out. Uh, It's those sort of things. But I think that's why it's healthy to have that model where maybe you're doing all of them. And here's, here's why I think writing down your prayers can be really positive. If you write down your prayers of supplication, your requests, oftentimes that's where you can find ways that you can thank God. Because there's so often, I'll just be real with you guys, that, that I will I will be on that moment of the like, I totally messed up. God, I need you, please. I will never, ever do any of this again. I'll never sin again. Um, you know, I'll, you get into all those promises and uh, how often I don't thank God for when he comes through, when he always comes through, especially when I don't deserve it, <laughs> especially when there's nothing I could really do to pay him back. Um, but that's just a great, easy tool. Uh, to, to just have some opportunities. Again, there's tons of different spiritual disciplines. There's, there's, there's meditation. There's generosity. Serving is one of the best ways, in my opinion, and we're going to talk more about serving uh, towards the end of this um, series. Uh, but that's one way I'd really encourage you, is uh, if you're not practicing what you're learning, what you feel like God is speaking into you in your everyday life, like what's the point? Like, think about it. If, if, if you're reading a ton about people who, who are being selfless and serving and they're going out and making an impact to their community, but then it doesn't lead you to do any of that, like, of course you're not going to get that. It would be, again, like if I'm, if I'm reading a book about how to, how to shoot the perfect jump shot and I just read about it and I study and I highlight it it's so great, but I never actually go out and, like, shoot, like, I'm probably not going to be very good at shooting, right? So we have to practice what we're learning, what we're intaking. Okay, so here's a question then. How do we know if we're growing? That's a super subjective thing, right? Um, I like to make goals every year. And, and, and for the longest time, I did a really bad job because my goals would just be um, so open-ended and, and subjective and there would be no sort of like, I know if I actually accomplish my goal. Because there'd be things like, this year I'm going to get healthier. What does that mean? 
Like, does that mean that I'm going to start working out so many days a week? Does it mean I'm going to, like, count my calories? Or could it just mean, like, instead of eating the whole box of donuts, I'm going to leave one behind because that's health, right? Or, like, I'm going to eat more salad, um, but I'm going to have a ton of bacon, a ton of cheese, ranch dressing all up in there. Healthy, right? We kind of do stuff like that, right? And so uh, what are some ways that we know that we're growing? Here's one place. In, in, in Galatians uh, chapter 5, uh, Paul is writing and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But before he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, this is what he says. And this isn't going to be up on the screen. He talks about what does it look like to have acts of flesh that are obvious. And what he's basically saying is, how do we know when we're sinning? Which is a funny thing to say, but sometimes when you read the words, when you hear the words, it, it, it sort of uh, takes away some of the power that they have. So he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, uh, envy, uh, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when we hear those, number one, we there's probably some of us who middle, like are like middle school kids and we giggle a little bit. It's okay. I'm there with you. There's funny words in there. But when we hear those, we tend to categorize sin in different places, right? Like there's like the really bad sin and then there's like the ones that Jesus is okay with sin. And when we read this, what I love about this is that in the same places that we hear about witchcraft in orgies, we also hear about jealousy. We also hear about hatred, selfish ambition, envy. It's this beautiful thing because when Paul writes this, he talks about the reality that, like, listen, we all got junk. Don't try to hide it. And, and, and your junk is not any better than other people's junks. You know, the truth is, is that uh, sin is all sin in the eyes of God. There are different consequences for different sin, but it's all sin in the eyes of God. And so some of this, how do we know when we're growing, is we begin to see less of this in our life. But not only do we start to see less of this in our lives, because again, it's really easy to do some behavior modification and and try not to do those things. But some of these are harder to do that. But what does it look like to see the fruit of the Spirit a part of our lives? And this is what Paul continues on in chapter 5, and he says this, and this will be on the screen. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. So do you want to know if you're growing? We begin to look and see, do I see this fruit in my life? And again, he says the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. And what I mean by that is, I don't think he's just saying, hey, look for just one of those. I think he's saying part of our journey towards holiness being more like God, part of our journey towards uh, becoming more like Jesus isn't just to aim for like, okay, sweet, I'm going to pick out here. Uh, I'm just going to like, I think if I can get patience, I'll feel pretty good about that. I don't think this is like a pick and choose like, ooh, I'd like this. This isn't like the Chipotle line. Um, this is a, this becomes part of who you are. 
Now, this isn't a perfection thing. Because the reality is most of us are still going to struggle. I still struggle to love people sometimes. I still struggle to have joy. I still struggle at times to have peace. But I think it's this idea of, of it not being like moments. Curveballs can happen and it can, can, can shake us for moments. But when our foundation is built upon Christ, when the majority of our life we are experiencing these fruit, in theory, uh, that's what we're going to revert back to, right? You know, I talked about this a few weeks ago when we were, were talking about when Jesus said, he is the vine and we are the branches. This idea that, that if, a, if someone was to show me a, a tree and they were to say, hey, this is an apple tree and there were oranges on it, I wouldn't believe them. Because a tree is known by its fruit, right? And I think that is something we have to keep in mind for ourselves, is that if a tree is known by its fruit, then so is a follower of Jesus. So in our own life, where do we see fruit? Where do we see uh, pockets of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of self-control? Where do we see fruit in relationships? You know, again, healthy things grow, they multiply. Here's a hard question to have to wrestle with. If Jesus Christ has changed our lives, where have we seen that multiplication happen with someone else? If, if, if his greatest commandment he, he gives us, his great commission that he leaves with, with us, is that the most important thing we as his followers of Jesus should do is to go make disciples, here's a question. Are there any, any people that we can, we can point to that we've been a part of them coming to know Jesus? This isn't a guilt trip, but this is a reality to start questioning and saying, if I'm a tree, what sort of fruit is hanging there? Because if I want to follow Jesus, if I want to see growth, if I'm not seeing the fruit that I would normally find from following Jesus, I don't see fruit from the way that the Spirit of God would normally produce, then I need to make some changes. In, in John chapter 13, this is what Jesus says. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is, this is what it says. And this is speaking in particular on love. And I would say while they are all important, love is the thing that is talked about the most uh, in the New Testament in particular about what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus. You know, Jesus says that people will know you because they see love. But he says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. My friends, the love that they speak of is Jesus Christ. And again, if we go back to his words that he is divine and we are the branches, it's time for us to connect in with him. You have to spend time with him. Sometimes it doesn't even matter the things that you are doing to grow in him. 
Guys, growing in faith is not about having more knowledge. It's about growing deeper in grace and in love. I'm going to ask the, uh, the, the guys to come back out, and they're going to close this in a song. But as they're doing that, I want to tell just a quick story that you probably know, and I'm, I'm going to go through this fast. Oftentimes, we, when we talk about Scripture, many times people know this story where Jesus tells this, this story of, we oftentimes refer to it as the prodigal son. And essentially in the story, what happens is there's this father, and he has two sons. And one son uh, just one day says, like, listen, father, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And the father uh, decides that he will grant the request to his son. And so this younger son, he goes off and he just lives this wild lifestyle and eventually loses everything. And his life just becomes a chaotic mess. There's an older brother who stayed around. He was faithful. He worked the land. Uh, he was always there. Um, he was a good son. He's probably in a lot of ways what we would refer to culturally. He's a good person. Well, eventually, you probably know the story. The younger son, he, he, he makes his way back home. And the father, who is just so gracious and so loving, when he sees him from a far distance, he just runs after him and he embraces him. And he throws this huge party. I mean, the son who has been incredibly disgraceful, incredibly dishonoring to him. He decides that he is going to kill the fattened calf. He is just going to celebrate in this huge way. So this party is going on and, 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 and the father tells one of his servants, go get your old, go get the older brother. He needs to know his brother is home. And so the servant gets out there and, 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 and the brother is working the field because that's just the type of person he is. Faithful, working. And the servant says to him, listen, your father wants you to come in. Your brother has returned and he's just distraught when he hears that there's this huge party that's being thrown for his brother who's stolen half of the inheritance already who who, who has disgraced the family and so the father in a similar way to the way that he ran and he met the son who had ran off and embraced him he leaves the party he leaves all the celebration and he goes out to find the older brother he finds the older brother and he says, you have to come inside. Your brother is home. And the older brother, is, he's angry. He says, says, I have been faithful to you. I've done everything you've ever asked. I've done all of these things. And not once did you throw any sort of party for me. You never even sacrificed or, or killed, killed a small animal for me and my, my friends so we could have a party. And the father says to him, my son, you have always been with me. But this brother of yours, he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost. He is now found. You know, the story we typically center around the idea of, 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 of the, the wild grace of how we can go off and live crazy lives and God welcomes us back in. But the truth is there are some of us who are older brothers. We've done all the things. We've been faithful. We've served. We've, we've gave. We've, we've read through our scripture but we've missed out on the presence of the Father. That was the Father's whole point. The greatest blessing that your brother missed out on wasn't the hardship that he endured, but was my love and my presence. This morning, I hope as we've talked about growth, you don't miss out on the fact that that Jesus doesn't care if you know Scripture cover to cover. He just wants to know you. Jesus wants you to know Him not just about him. There are too many of us who, who are stalkers. 
are fans of Jesus. We could recite different things all about him. We never truly know him. My friends, yes. Do the things that it was required. Do the things that will help you grow. But in all of it, don't miss Jesus. Because if we miss Jesus, we miss everything. I'm going to ask you guys to stand and and we're going to sing a song in response. And it's such a beautiful song, uh, just about the praise of of a God who who, who has created everything. And how he is worthy of, of our praise because he is good. Would you guys pray with me? God, my hope and my prayer is that my my friends in this room, God, your sons and your daughters, God, I hope that they know that, that, God, you don't love them for the things that they do, but you love them for who you are. And more important, that they are yours. So God, this morning, God, we want to grow. God, we'd love to be able to know Scripture so we could so we could recite it when there are times that are hard. Because, God, we remember seeing your son do that when he was tempted. There's something powerful about Scripture. God, we want to have times where we're better about, about doing different disciplines so we can better know you. But, God, at the end of the day, most of all, our heart cry is, God, just that we would know you and be known by you. So, God, this morning, God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room, God, who maybe has never walked into relationship with you, God, maybe they've been the prodigal younger son that ran off, and, God, this is their moment to come home. God, would they feel the embrace? Would they feel the freedom to just come home and experience your love and your grace? But, God, I also pray for those of us in the room who may be older brothers. God, we feel like we've been doing all the things, but we're not experiencing the love. God, this morning, God, would we have a breakthrough God, where we realize that it's not about doing things, it's not about getting things, but God, it is surely just about your presence and your love in our lives. God, whatever we need to hear this morning, God, whatever we need to feel this morning, God, whatever you need to say to us, God, would our ears and our hearts be open to hear that. God, just thank you for your love and thank you for your grace.